Uh, we're going to talk today about our need for wisdom. Need wisdom, everybody. Would you like to hear a joke first? Anybody want to hear a joke? I heard this a long time ago, and then I saw it again, and I got really tickled, and I thought, this is hilarious. So there was, Billy Graham was getting out at the uh, airport, and uh, this, uh, this big, long limousine pulled up to pick him up. This is back when he was alive, right? And uh, this big limousine, and he was so tickled to be there, he, and he says, hey, listen, I have never driven one of these. I've always wanted to drive one of these. Would you let me drive this thing? And so the, the chauffeur said, you're Billy Graham, sure. So the, the chauffeur gets in the back, and Billy Graham is driving, and he's driving down, and apparently he doesn't see the the speed limit, so it's a 55, he's going 70, so a policeman pulls him over. And this policeman says, uh, oh boy, so he calls in, he says, listen, I know sometimes with uh, governmental officials, we give them a pass on speeding tickets, I've got a chauffeur here, and they were speeding, also like sometimes celebrities, we give them a pass could we possibly give this? Well, so who is it? Well, it says, sir, I think it's Jesus Christ because Billy Graham is his chauffeur. <laughs> so, everybody say, need wisdom? Need wisdom. How many of you... Listen, here's, here's a good question. Does your relationship with Jesus Christ affect your behavior? Come on. Say yes. Even if you struggle with it, say yes. If your relationship with Jesus is real, it will affect your values. Amen? It'll affect your priorities and the way you treat others. When you prioritize time with the Lord, you pick up His thinking and how to honor Him and how to honor people, and how to live. And when you read the Word of God, you will show your life-begetting solutions. When you take time to read the Bible and contemplate what God says, the Bible actually reads you, feeds you, and leads you. It'll read your heart. How many of you have had moments like that? So how many of you have made choices that you would consider to be unwise choices. Okay, so we're all in there. What I mean, too, is a choice that costs you, and you go, wow, it was a big price to pay for that mistake. How many? Maybe a choice that caused you a lot of misery, maybe relationship-wise or something. Have you ever made an unwise choice that cost you a lot of money? Well, there are three paths to wisdom. The first path is uh, you make all the mistakes yourself and learn from them. But honestly, we don't have enough years to learn all the <laughs> you don't have enough years to learn all the lessons to obtain all the wisdom you need in life. So that's the first one. Learn from your mistakes, right? How many of you feel like I could just learn all my wisdom right by myself? Okay, number two. This is a good one. Learn from the mistakes of others by observation, right? Proverbs twenty one eleven says, and this is a great verse. When the scoffer is punished. Everybody say it. The simple becomes wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. So you want to observe and take in. There's ways to observe in life. And of course, there's ways to observe in reading the Bible. 
And when you take the time to observe and think through, you learn that way. The third way is to ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5 through 6 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And let him ask in faith, no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So, now let's lift our heads to the Lord and ask, because there's things in your life right now that you need wisdom on, and we're just going to go ahead and we're going to ask the Lord for wisdom. There's a way to act in the culture right now that's wiser than another way to act. There's ways to communicate with wisdom. There's ways to perceive and do things. So let's ask the Lord. Father God, we're asking you, and in our hearts right now, we're asking for these transactions where you would drop in and speak and cause things to come to our hearts within the next couple of days, that you would direct our paths, that you would bless us. Let's just worship you while we're doing this. We thank you, Lord, that you keep us. You make straight our paths when we depend on you and look to you. We're asking for your wisdom to manifest in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I just feel like this is a beautiful morning of worship too. And uh, I want to say, one of the people in the Bible that's very well known for having asked for wisdom is Solomon. Remember? So Solomon, uh, he's now been, you know, his father, King David, has moved on, gone to heaven, and he asked God for wisdom. And this is Second Chronicles chapter 1, 11 through 12, and this is God's response to him. By the way, everybody say, God answers Solomon's prayer for wisdom. Answer Solomon's prayer. Okay, he'll answer your prayer for wisdom. This is what he says. Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and not even ask for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, honor, such as none of the kings had who were before you and none after you shall have the like. So here we have this amazing gift from God that God gives wisdom. It's a gift. He imparts wisdom and knowledge because his heart was right. He, decided, he wanted to rule God's people in a way that would bring honor to God and the most glory to God. And he didn't ask for those other things. He just asked for that. And God says, okay, I'm going to give you, this is important, I'm going to give it to you. And God imparted it supernaturally. God imparted his wisdom to Solomon supernaturally. This will come up later. This is important. So what were some of the insights that he received? I want us to look at just a couple of phrases in the Proverbs just for a minute as we move, move along here. Proverbs um, 10 verse, excuse me, 9 verse 10 says this, the fear, everybody say it, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what? Is the beginning of wisdom. 
and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So now we're going to see that this wisdom, one of the truths, one of the Proverbs that God downloads into Solomon's heart is to say to the people and write it down for us that the fear of the Lord. Now, fear of the Lord is this great reverence for God and his ways. Okay, everybody got that? Say great reverence for God and his ways. This is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is I want to do what God wants more than I want to do what I want. See, this is amazing. I want to do what God wants. I want to do what God wants, and I want to learn his ways. So here's another um, couple of scriptures. Proverbs 8.13. This is amazing. The fear of the Lord is, everybody say it, hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. One of the ways to say this is, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, even the evil that's inside of me. Now, this, is, this will get you along because then you're inviting the Lord to actually change you. into, And that's wisdom. Anybody ever had the Lord change something in you? He does this. He, he, but the fear of the Lord is so key. It's so key. Let's look at a few other moment, uh, scriptures about the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Proverbs 4.26, the fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. How many of you think right now during this time in the season of the United States that the fear of the Lord would be a good thing to embrace? To embrace him. The beginning of wisdom is to hate evil, even in yourself. Not hating people. We'll see in a minute. There's a kind of some droplets of wisdom that come along the way here. Proverbs uh, also being a refuge for us, that those who fear the Lord have strong confidence in him. Isn't that great? Proverbs 14, 27 says, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life and that one may turn away from the snares of death. There are things that if you fear the Lord, you won't walk into things that are snares. How many of you have had a, a brush with a snare? You get close to it and you realize, oh, I used to do that. I'm not going to go fall back into that again. The fear of the Lord does this. There's old, there's old patterns with your eyes, with your ears, with your, with your hands, with doing things, with, the, with your feet, where you used to travel. And, and, so, and you, over a period of time, your relationship with Jesus puts wisdom in your heart about how to live. And you begin to change, and you begin to crave different things. Aren't you so glad for Jesus? Our flesh would just condemn us to hell real quick. Your flesh votes yes for the devil every time. And the world. It just goes, yes. That's why the Bible says, crucify the flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Proverbs 15, 23 says, the fear of the Lord is, in, is instruction in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. Just a couple more. Proverbs 16, 6, the steadfast love and faithfulness, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. This is really good for today. Proverbs 23.17, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. And lastly, Proverbs 29. By the way, this is, see, this is the download. Let me, let me just, before we say, look, this is Jesus' wisdom being given to Solomon. 
This is Jesus' wisdom. If you want to know Jesus' wisdom, read the book of Proverbs. If you want to know the way he lived his life, if he walked in life, read Proverbs. He is the personification of the wisdom we're talking about. And here's a real good one for right now. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Okay, we're going to shift on in here. I'm going to shift gears and introduce you to this idea about Jesus. The Proverbs, um, of course, I mentioned that the Proverbs are the wisdom of Jesus in the Bible. But uh, I want us to look at the beginning of our wisdom, which starts here. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted, acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So your first steps are making you wise in salvation. Tell the person next to you, the Bible is not a self-help book. Yell it out. The Bible is not a self-help book. It is not self-help. It's not you trying harder. The Bible is not ever, ever, it's never. See, religion is about you got to try harder. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is, I already did it for you. You know what the Bible really is? It's the revelation of the beauty of God and what, the, what he has actually accomplished for us. And when you touch what he has done for you and begin to rely on him, changes, wisdom, insight. I was praying with my little grandson. He called me up. I didn't know that he could actually FaceTime me on his iPad. And I get a phone call and there's Titus. And he says, I'm in time out. And he says, I just wanted to call you. I said, okay. I love you, buddy. Papa loves you. You know the Lord always loves you. He says, I know. Get this. And I want to actually ask you to participate with this with me right now. The Lord dropped a, a word picture in my heart. It was, to me, it was amazing. I said, Titus, do you know how when a little balloon is deflated and you blow it up and you take your breath and you blow up a balloon and it inflates? He says, yes, Papa. I said, right now, we're going to ask Jesus to, with the Holy Spirit's breath, blow into our hearts and inflate our hearts with the love of God. Let's just receive that right now. Just let the Lord, by his grace, begin to blow his breath of love into your heart and let him inflate, let him inflate your heart with the love of God right now. Just go ahead and let him do that. Let the Lord fill you with his love. Just fill you with his love. Just fill you with his love. See, that's, that's what he wants to do. So build your heart so full of the love of God just to build you up inside. Cause your heart to be strong in the love of God. How many of you have holes in your balloon sometime? Oh, we need to, we need to learn how to let... I asked him how he was feeling after that. And he said, I feel really good, Papa. When you speak to someone on their level, and he is the balloon pretty good your level too, right there? Hallelujah. So I want to say 
The Bible is not a self-help book at all. And here's one thing that you learn about the, in wisdom about God, an in insight into the Holy One. This is kind of some of the things you learn. Ready? Are you ready for this? How many of you found that first of all, God is very loving? How many of you have found that God is very holy? Holy. Let's put up the next slide. Jesus is so holy, he had to die for you. But Jesus is so loving, he was glad to die for you. Let that settle in you. So holy. Our sin was so bad that he had to die. But his love is so great that he was glad to take our place on the cross. Let's take another look at his holiness. The holiness of God leads us to hate sin while the love of God forbids us to hate ourselves. The holiness of God causes us to hate sin, doesn't it? It calls us to that. But the love of God forbids us. Everybody say forbids us to hate ourselves. The Lord's greatest thing in your and my heart is to cause us to see ourselves the way he sees us truly. And when you see yourself the way he sees you, he doesn't see you as the big sinner, as all the failure. He doesn't look at you expecting that. He looks at you expecting the response of his love being poured into your heart. Are you there? How many of you have had woke up in the morning and, and at the end of the bed, all the struggles and the, and the pressures and all the things of the day are like little, little uh, rhinoceroses and they run right at you? <sighs> How many of you have had, oh, no, no. Let me recommend something. When you wake up, just say, hello, Jesus. Hello, Jesus. Hello, say hello, Jesus. Hello, Jesus. When you wake up, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Jesus. Start the day with an openness toward him. And let's go ahead and look at this. As followers of Jesus, gradually mature. By the way, this is, let me just say, this is not going to go on very long. Like last week, we actually finished early. We're going to finish early this time. I'm pretty certain. I think that's going to happen. Wisdom dictates, I think we will. As followers of Jesus, gradually mature in Christ, the motivations of the heart begin to reflect the spirit of Jesus Christ. So, I, how many of you know that James, who wrote the book of James, was literally the half-brother of Jesus? Jude, which they nick, gave him a nickname because that was another half-brother. His name was Judas, but they had a bad thing with another guy named Judas, so they shortened his name so he could get his book in there without it being confusing. James, not, there was a disciple, James and John, that James died in the book of Acts. This other James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James. This just dawned on me. I think it was the Holy Spirit just causing me to see this. That when it came time to write down what wisdom is, I think the Holy Spirit just caused him to think of his brother when they were growing up. 
He thought of his brother. He thought of Jesus, his half-brother. He thought of the way his half-brother Jesus lived life in front of him, and he wrote it down in the book. I believe that's what he And this is what James calls wisdom from above. James 3.17. This describes Jesus so beautifully. I looked up all these words. This is not a study of all these words, but I looked up all these words. But wisdom from above, everybody say, is that Jesus first pure? First pure? So when you have wisdom, it's going to have a purity quality about it. It's going to have a certain sureness and, and, uh, and uh, that kind of thing. The next thing, it's peaceable. If your information creates strife, it's not wisdom from above. If it's not peaceable, it doesn't qualify. It's peaceable. Wisdom of God from above is peaceable. Everybody say gentle. I believe James was just thinking about how Jesus was in relating to him. He goes, man, he's pure. He's peaceable. It's gentle. Look at this, open to reason. Open to reason. In other words, easy to be in... Um, treated. Uh, you know, in other words, it's not forceful. Okay? Look at this. Full of mercy and good fruits. Full of mercy and good fruits. The wisdom that comes from above is full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial and sincere. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? So that's the qualities of wisdom. So what we see here is this. In the Bible... Wisdom is not just a what. Wisdom is a who. When you have wisdom, you have a who. You have the person of Jesus operating in your life. Somebody say hallelujah, at least one, come on. And this is what brings us to this moment. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31. Because of him, you who are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus has become to us wisdom from God. Everybody say righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, uh, last week we talked about the mercies of God. We talked about how when he laid aside the privileges of being God, and we went through 15 characteristics, just kind of jumped through those and realized, you know, okay, Jesus in the flesh, he lets go of omniscience, knowing everything all the time. He lets go of all power, being able to do anything. He literally empties himself of being the, having the privileges of God and he then lives as a human being although sinless he lives only under the power and leading of the Holy Spirit so everything that he knows he knows from having studied as a child growing up and being have revelation given to him by the Holy Spirit and then he's being led by the Holy Spirit and he models for us a pattern of how we can sell out our lives and live with the Holy Spirit are you there? Live and being led and hear. How many of you just really appreciate God whispering things to your heart? And so that's the way. I remember one time I was in near Ventura, and uh, I think I've shared this story, but I was working as a pest, in pest control. It was kind of interesting. It's kind of like the ministry. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how, do you, how, did, how were you led by the Holy Spirit? Was it the same way when you give me like a, a word of knowledge or something? Uh, when I see, you know, something to do? And he said, yes. I went, oh, so Jesus functioned in, in the fullness of the gifts, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he said, yes, that's how I did it. So that was such a, okay, then I could rely on the Holy Spirit to, to lead. And, and, as I, and one time I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, I'd really like to get back in the, 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 that fresh anointing where I can discern things going on. And, and he basically gave me Hebrews 12, uh, 4, 4.12. He said, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the sunder, you know, the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and um, revealing even the thoughts and intents of the heart. He said, do you see that? Do you see that, son? He says, the word of God discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see that? I said, yeah. He said, get in the word of God, and when you're in the word of God, the word of God will cause you to have a sensitivity to the thoughts of people. It'll have a sharpness, and you'll understand, and you'll get, you'll, you'll, you'll know things better. See, that's the way of wisdom, right? Hello? Jesus would be standing there and discern what they were thinking. And you can, you can get to know how the Holy Spirit wants to work through your life. Okay, that was just for free. All right. So how did Jesus now, um, I want you to see something. Here, let's just put up this next. next uh, this is really important to me. Hebrews 5. I want you to notice something. First of all, the underlined part, it says reverence. What is the definition of the fear of the Lord? It's reverence. I just want to point this out. Jesus walked in the fear of the Lord. It actually says that in other places. It says he came and he had the spirit of the wisdom, spirit of, he had the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So it says in the days of his flesh. Now Jesus emptied himself of the privileges of being God. So in the days of his flesh... Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him, Father God, who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Now, he's showing us what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't he? So he's crying out in his humanness of literally raw sense of doubt about how excruciating this is going to be, and this is a level of suffering that he's going to pay for us because he becomes the wisdom of God and he becomes our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption through this experience here, okay? So what happens? He was heard because of his reverence. He was heard because of his reverence. He was heard because of his reverence. Now listen to this. Although he was a son... He learned obedience through what he suffered. He learned obedience through what he suffered. And now look at this next section. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I want you to notice this. Remember when we opened up, we said, wisdom can come through your personal experience. Wisdom can come by observing others, and wisdom can come by asking God. I want you to see something else that God gave Solomon. God gave this next verse. 
God gave Solomon this thought. Everybody read this with me. This is Ecclesiastes 7.4. Everybody read it. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Mirth just means happiness. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. So Jesus is suffering in the garden and through the whipping and through the crucifixion. And his obedience is being perfected. And through this process, he's becoming the wisdom of God, which now he's becoming our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. So Jesus is becoming this. Because I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how can you, how did you, why did, see, all Solomon did was ask. He just asked. And God gave him a gift, but he didn't pay for it. Jesus paid for it. Matthew 12, 42. The queen of the south, this is Jesus talking. The queen of the south will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Something greater than Solomon is here. Now, there's a brilliant preacher named Adrian Rogers, and uh, I captured a few insights from something that he wrote. Let's just look at these things for a minute. Jesus was, excuse me, Solomon was born in a palace. Jesus was born in a stable. Solomon was born in Jerusalem. Jesus was born in a little Bethlehem. Solomon had many servants to wait upon him hand and foot. Jesus came to be a servant. Solomon wore his kingly robes, but Jesus wore his peasant garb. Solomon drank from vessels of gold. Jesus drank from common cups. Solomon had great armies. Everybody, it was given to him. It was given to him. But Jesus had a few disciples. Solomon lived in mansions, but sometimes Jesus had no place to lay his head. Solomon had thousands of horses and chariots and rode in splendor. Jesus walked. So how could Jesus be greater than Solomon. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. He knew 3,000 Proverbs and he had memorized 1,500 songs. Solomon knew all about the created universe. But Jesus created the universe. Solomon knew all about fish. But Jesus commanded the fish to fill two empty nets, causing two boats to almost sink. Solomon knew about the wind, but Jesus rebuked the wind and caused the Sea of Galilee to be still at his command. Solomon knew about navigation and sending ships out all over the earth to bring back riches. But Jesus 
walked on the water. Solomon built a palace for himself. It took 13 years to complete it. It it defied description. But Jesus is building a greater house. For he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. Solomon invited people for great feasts. But Jesus fed over 5,000 people by multiplying two fish and five loaves. And Jesus even turned water into wine. Solomon built the temple beyond compare, glorious and magnificent in every way. And Jesus has built a greater temple. And he says this, he says, you and I are his temple. You know what, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. King Solomon was incredibly wealthy with tons of gold and, uh, and along with ivory and spices. But Jesus, every star belongs to him. The cattle on a thousand hills, all the rubies, diamonds, and underneath. Jesus led the, uh, Solomon led the people in worship. That's why he built the temple. And God gave him a throne. Solomon is long gone. But there's another throne. And Jesus sits on that throne. And he will reign from his throne forever. You see, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, was given the gift of wisdom. But he was still a sinner who needed a Savior. And at the end of his life, he literally quit using his wisdom and began to marry into foreign the foreign gods, marrying the wives of the kings of foreign gods and brought into Israel the perversions of those nations, which now Jesus has given his life to purify us from. Let's just uh, lift up our heads right quick just to the Lord for a minute. Let me pray this prayer. I want to thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for the wisdom that we need today that you laid down your life, that you gave yourself for us. Let's praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So if you need wisdom today, he's going to supply it. He's going to give you what you need. I have one last slide. It says this. Do you need wisdom? Start and end with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Make him first in everything. He will empower you to do what you cannot do in yourself. He will lead you and teach you because he is your wisdom. Would you lift your head again just for a moment? We paused along the way here a couple of times. The Lord has purchased your wisdom for you. He became uh, poor. He became our, the sacrifice in our place. He went through a tough time of learning. There are times when you've gone through a tough time of learning to learn wisdom. And the Lord is with you in that. And he gives you things that you learn through the difficulties of life to pass on to others. There's times when you and I learn just without having to go through so much pain. The Lord gives a grace to us and he causes us to have right decisions just because he loves us and he leads us. 
Let's praise him for that right now too because you don't have to go through all the pain. Hallelujah. That Jesus went through the pain to give you the wisdom you need. Praise you, Lord. So, Lord, we just come and worship you right now. And every single one of us during these days right now need to have our heads screwed on straight. We need to have the fear of the Lord in our heart. We need to know how to navigate with wisdom with our tongues. We need to know with our actions what to do. We need to know so we can represent you beautifully in these days. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's go ahead and stand together. We have a few people coming down. If you have other, if there's just points of need that you have, we have a few people for prayer. We're going to dismiss. And um, it's a miracle, just like last week. I finished 10 minutes early. Thank you, Jesus. I used wisdom, apparently. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just think there's a, as the Lord did this in my heart, I already, so we're going to skedaddle, but I, when he showed me, when he said to me, teach on my attributes right now because people really need me. So I'm going to be just looking at the Lord and saying, what's next? Did anybody feel like the Lord touched their heart about this? To renew something in you? So Lord, let's, let's one more time lift up our hearts and praise him. Can we do that? Thank you, Lord. I feel like the Lord wants to drop some stuff right now. If we just kind of lean in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for there's people wrestling with certain things right now and they need your answers, and we just agree that your answers will come quickly and you will settle in their hearts what you want them to do about certain things. Cause it to be clear. Nobody needs to be under pressure to go and move outside of your leading. We just want to submit everything to you, that your blessing be on all of the things that we do going in, going out, that your blessing be upon our lives. In every single way, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Hallelujah.